0: This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on.
1: This particular episode feels inevitable and somewhat personal because I am burnt out. Plain and simple, there's no other way to put it. I am beyond burnt out. And obviously, I'm not alone. I remember the topic of burnout coming into focus in 2019 when the World Health Organization actually recognized burnout as an official medical diagnosis. Symptoms being exhaustion, increased mental distance from your job, and reduced professional efficacy. Check, check, and check. Of course, burnout can occur in any occupation, but it became a particularly loud conversation in the creator economy as more and more creators started speaking out about being on that hamster wheel of content and feeling like they couldn't take a break. I'm not a content creator in the influencer sense, but I do create content on a daily basis and I can attest to that hamster wheel feeling and how it keeps spinning faster and faster somehow. So I wanted to explore the state of burnout today in the Creator economy and unpack how we can all start taking better care of ourselves. This is Creative Control. I'm your host Casey Finney. Each week, I'll be unpacking the driving forces and people shaping the Creator economy and what it all means for its future. To help me get a better grasp on where we are now with burnout, I reached out to Katie Morton. She's a licensed therapist who's done quite a bit of work in this area. She actually made a series of videos for YouTube about burnout, so she seemed like the perfect person to call. Hi, Katie. Hi, <laughs> Hi. Casey. How are you? Oh, uh, funny you should ask. I'm burnt out. <laughs> like, I, I am so excited to dive into this episode for selfish reasons, because (laughs) I, like so many people, have been feeling this immense feeling of burnout. And it's something that we've been hearing about for quite some time. And I wanted to do this episode to get a better understanding of where we are now in what we know about burnout. So for those who may not know, I would love if you can level set for us and start with the basics of what exactly is burnout.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad we're starting there because a lot of people say I'm burnt out, but it's important to understand what it is and why it's happening. And we'll get a little nerdy, but if anything doesn't make sense, you let me know. You came
1: to the right place for nerdy, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because I love, our brain is fascinating and I also think it's validating to be like, I'm not losing my mind, something's actually happening. Right. So burnout from the, like, starting off happens when the reward for what we do, right? So that I know a lot of people, when we say reward, they think, oh, financial. Like, oh, if you're making Mm -hmm. like a shitload of money, you won't be burnt out. Uh 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 Reward can be a lot of different things. It can be a financial gain. It can be fulfillment. It can be connection. It can be a lot of things. So when the reward for what we do isn't at least commensurate, meaning equal with the effort we put in, boom, we can get burnt out, meaning we're putting in more effort than we're actually being rewarded for. And what happens in our brain when this goes on for a long time, I guess the best way i describe it is kind of like roads between our limbic system, which is our stress response. That means like fight, flight, freeze lives in there. Our amygdala, which is like our fire alarm. Like if I'm throwing a tantrum or a child is throwing a tantrum, that amygdala is firing. And that um, pulls off parts of our brain, like our prefrontal cortex, that are responsible. I call it like the adult part of our brain. It's the (laughs) one that's like, maybe don't yell at them, just or wait before you send that email. Think about it. You know, it's gone.
1: And that amygdala
0: is like, whoa, 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 you know. And so when that's happening and we're in that stress response for a really long time, those roads out of our amygdala and our limbic system don't get a chance to get cleaned up and repaved. Hmm. And so when we get to come out of our stress response, our system actually gets to kind of release that nervous energy and it gets to repave those roads so that when we are in an emergency situation, we can respond appropriately, do the thing we need to do. Those rough roads can lead to a lot of different symptoms because again, it's not smooth. We're not getting from point A to point B easily and quickly. So it can lead to feeling easily fatigued. The number one earliest symptom we'll feel is uh, irritability. Hmm. And, you know, it can change our appetite. And, and it can honestly mimic a lot of symptoms of anxiety and depression. And we can dig into that. But I just think it's kind of important to understand what parts of our brain are responsible for this and why why we feel terrible.
1: Right. And that's what I was going to ask. How do you know when it is burnout? Because the, the feeling of exhaustion, of irritability, these can be symptomatic of many things. So when is it burnout?
0: The best way to know if it's burnout or if it's depression or anxiety is like, what are the triggers for your symptoms? Hmm. That's one that's key for me, because if it's depression, let's say I'm depressed all day, most days, it doesn't really go away. It doesn't come and go with another request of my time from work or another thing that pops up. That it, it, It's just there. Burnout kind of comes and goes with these peaks and wanes of, again, that effort. When people ask for more of that effort, that's where that irritability, like you can start to resent the work. Mm. I want for anybody to know the work is not just career. The work could be being a mother or father. It could be being a caretaker, right, of a an older, you know, maybe of an aging parent. Work is work, and so just consider, you know, what you're putting your effort into. So that's the first thing that I always try to kind of notice myself, and then also paying attention to when it started. If it's been going on for a really long time, it gets a little muddier because even if it was burnout earlier on, because we just pushed through, now it could be depression or anxiety.
1: Hmm. I came across a video where they're saying that the recovery time for burnout is like years. Like it's not something, some quick fix of like, oh, go on a vacation and you'll be fine. No, it's, this is something that can have lasting effects. And so what is the recovery time for this?
0: Yeah, I I saw that TikTok. I don't know if it was just yeah, a TikTok. Yeah, was, She's was yeah. like, <laughs> she like 3 to 5 years and the researcher in me is like, "Girls, where are your resources? Cite your reference." <laughs> like cuz I don't I don't believe that to be true, but I have not had time to dig into where that number Is it came better from? or worse? Better.
1: Oh, thank God!
0: Okay. <laughs> it's not three to. I, I don't see any reason why it would be three to five years because everyone's symptoms are going to be different. I feel like it's really going to be hard to put a timeline on that. That'd be like saying right. you can recover from depression in six weeks. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a yeah. snake oil salesman. Do not get <laughs> that. <laughs> that's not how it works. Um, I truly believe if you make some key behavioral changes and take some real time off. Now, real time off. Whatever the work is that you're doing, you need at least a day, a week, hopefully two, but at least a day where you don't have to do that thing. Hmm. And as we make those changes, I believe, honestly, taking a real, like, let's say you're able to take a week off of a vacation where you unplug. You do not have to do anything. No one's asking things of you. You get to just be. That's incredibly healing, and you'll feel that difference. But if you're not able to do that, even some long weekends plugged in here and there, like start to schedule some real time off. I mean, give it three to four months, six months. If you're really putting the effort in, depending on how, again, how severe it is, I don't think we're talking years. I think we're talking months. Hmm.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned that because that's something that I've, me personally, I've been trying to do more of because typically when I take time off, I usually wait for that one big vacation Mm -hmm. in the year. But I've been trying to be better about doing Like weekend trips, just, you know, even day trips, like really just getting out and breaking my routine a little bit. And it does help, but the work is always there waiting for me when I come back. And so for me, I'm just always trying to think about when you say making those key behavioral changes, I'm always trying to think about how those changes can be lasting because taking a break, day trip, vacation, that's great. But what are some other things that people can do to really have that lasting change and start recovering from burnout
0: yeah that's a great question one of my favorite self care tips is to do things for future katie mm. so that means that like you know those days when you just feel extra productive or maybe you just have time you know like an extra half hour i'm like maybe i will do that low at a laundry i don't mm-hmm. really want to right. laundry sucks but
1: for future katie well thank you <laughs> oh, she's gonna be so excited
0: it's taken care of already I've always been really frustrated with marketing companies for leading us to believe that self-care costs a lot of time and money. Mm. And if there are ways that you can work smarter, not harder, or if there are things that you can delegate. One of my girlfriends does this. I think it's amazing. They make meals off and on with another family so Mm. that they don't have to cook all the time. Never would have thought of that. That's a good idea. Yeah.
1: And you have been studying burnout for quite some time. And so is there anything new here that we should consider in like the 2022 of things? Is there anything new about burnout that we should be thinking about?
0: I'll end with on a high note, but this is kind of a downer, so I'm sorry.
1: Oh, man. We're doing so well, Katie. We're doing so well. I always well. try
0: to stay positive.
1: You debunked the myth about the recovery time, and now we're just back in the... D- you know what? Just <laughs> go ahead. Why not? Lay it on me. I'm already burnt out, so how, how much worse can it get?
0: It's more common now than ever. And I want everybody to hear this because we've been in a pandemic, and we've kind of just been white-knuckling it. Mm -hmm. And just pushing through all that happened with whether you want to mention the George Floyd or I mean, all of the things that happened that year was traumatizing to a lot of people. And then compound that with now there's a war going on. I mean, it's just been one hit after another. And because a lot of us are still working from home, they found that people working from home are actually working an estimated eight to 10 hours more each week, because there's no break, like there's no, I get in my car, and I leave work, right? you walk from your home office which could be at your your kitchen table and you you know there's no there's no separation and i think just accepting and acknowledging the fact that we've all been through multiple traumas in the past 2 years and it's been overwhelming we're not getting that break out of our stress response and a lot of times it doesn't have anything to do with our work right now
1: i was just going to ask about outside factors to burnout because you're right in terms of people can be burnt out from work from relationships whatever but I was really wanting to dive into the outside factors of everything because for me personally it just feels like I can't get my stable footing (laughs) both in anything it's like there's just so much flux and so much change happening that you just and so much uncertainty is like the huge thing it's like every couple of months or some major news event where you just don't know the outcome. And so for me, I feel like I'm constantly holding my breath. I'm constantly like, and I, even when it's something that it's like, okay, I'm trying to accept this. I'm trying to, you know, not even treat it as the new normal because nothing about any of what's happening it's is normal. normal. And I keep trying to tell myself and I, I'm trying to use like, you know, my higher thinking and my, my higher brain space to say, like, hey, you know, recognize this for what it is. But I still feel those effects of just being so burnt out by my workload at work and external factors. And it's just this feeling of like instability and uncertainty, and I don't know how to shake it. How do I shake it? <laughs> okay. it it's funny you
0: use, you asked how to shake it because um, neurologically, again, t- talking about that stress response, right? Our amygdala is firing, which is why it's hard for people right now to plan. I remember I said plan dinners mm-hmm. and try to that part of our brain is like offline, Hmm. that adult part. So it's been extra difficult, but there's a little way we can kind of force the expression of that cued up energy because our stress response cues us up to take action, right? Can I run away? Can I fight this thing? I need to get moving to finish this project, right? It's motivating. But when we feel frozen, because I'm like you, like, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like what else is going to happen? It's been one thing after the other and it's all devastating we can actually do full body shakes and it sounds really crazy and it feels kind of silly but imagine you're like a dog out of the bath and you're like shaking from nose to tail like you are just Mm -hmm. you shake it out just give it a try don't knock it till you try because i'll tell you so physically shake physically shake like when you say how do i shake this you actually shake this
1: Well, I'll be (laughs) something new every day.
0: Yeah, because it forces that release. It gives your body the outlet for what it's cueing you up to do. Does that make sense?
1: It does, but I just never thought about it like Mm -hmm. that. That is interesting.
0: And it honestly is life changing. (laughs) So like even just the other night, my husband hadn't come to bed yet, but I was laying in bed, and I started to have the, like, oh, tomorrow I got to do blah, 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 Oh, my God, I can't forget, and I'm taking notes on my phone. I'm like, don't forget, you also need to send that email. Right. And I was like, this isn't good for me. And I'm starting to feel, like, I'm starting to sweat. I'm starting to feel a little overwhelmed. And I, like, flopped around in my bed like a fish. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm proud of it because it doesn't look good. But when I tell you it shut my brain down and I was then able to finally like calm and then go into my sleep cycle and fall asleep, I was. But if I hadn't done that shake, I knew myself, I would have stressed myself out. i have been up for another hour just going through what I should have, could have, would have, need to do, blah, blah, blah.
1: I am jotting that tip down and also going to alert everyone in my life to just say, hey, by the way, I'm fine. I'm just trying to,
0: (laughs) I just need to regulate my nervous system.
1: (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. And when we're back, we tackle what platforms like YouTube should be doing to reduce burnout.
0: This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com
1: I know when it comes to burnout of course as we mentioned it can happen in you know any profession but we've seen so we've seen heavy discourse about burnout within the creator economy and so
0: yeah.
1: I'd love to get your take on like why you think that is
0: I like to think of creativity as breath in and out and unfortunately with the rise of social media content is nonstop and in order, like you said, to feel relevant or to feel like you need to kowtow to some algorithm or do what, you know, we're doing all these things, trying to earn a living, right? Because then we feel like, well, our relevancy is tied to our financial stability. Mm -hmm. That's very tricky. And if I'm constantly creating, I don't always have time for that breath in. It's always breath out. And if we think physically, again, if I just keep breathing out, I'm gonna pass out, poof. <laughs> and that's the burnout is right. that. And then the last thing I'll say about it is I think as a society, unfortunately, we've placed a lot of personal value on productivity. Mm. And I'm here to tell you, you are not what you do. That's not what makes you enough or lovable or valuable to this world. You know, at the end of the day, you can lay your head on your pillow if you've created zero things and be like, I'm still enough. I'm still important. I don't have to create in order to like earn my spot. But for some reason, we that hustle culture has been so toxic.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, even the things are supposed to be good for us, we can feel like as a competition, like, oh, I should be working out more. Should be drinking more water. I should be, it's like, sweet Jesus, just give (laughs) us a break. Like, I just want to be for a minute. Right,
1: right. And I, I find it interesting that you brought up the the analogy of friends like of, of a tv show for example because i just spoke to emma chamberlain who she's been very vocal about burning right. out and feeling and taking a break from youtube and just had her on the podcast and she mentioned that i asked her what will youtube look like because she's not the only one who's experiencing this burnout obviously mm-hmm. and that's something she mentioned like creators will probably start uploading things in seasons that way they release themselves of that expectation that they have to be uploading constantly Yeah, and so i know that there is a lot that creators can do to ease that burden on themselves, but do you think that there's anything that the platforms themselves can be doing better to make it easier
0: for creators? Yes, definitely. I think overall the emphasis, like the behind the scenes, and I hate to use the term algorithm too much because I feel like it's this like amorphous thing we don't even understand that like runs on its own. And it kind of does, but I feel like the platforms have the ability to change it where it doesn't only reward constant uploading. And that's mm-hmm. the main thing. I don't feel that it's their responsibility to like take care of me. That's my responsibility. Right. Or, you know, we each have to like own up to our own. I, I'm big on like responsibility. That's my side of the road. I will clean it. I'm responsible for it. But their side of the road is to not create a platform that only rewards constant uploading. And they've done a better job, at least YouTube specifically, for putting more emphasis on like click through rate and watch time. So when something is uploaded, are people clicking? Are they watching? That's important. So then therefore, if your content is, is good, it's going to do well. And if you're able to take more time to create it, chances are it'll actually be better anyway.
1: Now, I should note here that YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki did address burnout in an open letter to creators in 2019. She basically confirmed that creators taking breaks wouldn't be detrimental to their channels because metrics like upload frequency aren't taken into account when the algorithm recommends new videos to users. I reached out for an updated statement and a spokesperson mentioned how YouTube has 10 different revenue streams to help ease the burden of relying solely on views. They also mentioned how YouTube can be a long-term career. Quote, we want creators to produce content in ways that will allow them to be both successful and sustainable, and we're investing in the tools to help them do that. End quote. You have worked with YouTube on on this issue before, and the series of videos you did were incredibly enlightening. And so knowing that, as you mentioned earlier in the conversation, that it's getting worse, um, what, if anything, can creators do to mitigate burnout, knowing that it is getting worse, knowing that even more people are entering into the creator economy. I mean, this is becoming a massive, massive industry. And so there's great reward in it, obviously, but then there's a complete other side that I'm glad more people are talking about. But what can and should creators do for burnout, knowing that this is becoming something so huge and it's getting worse. Uh (laughs)
0: Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I hate I hate that that's the truth. But uh, not that this Fine. makes me better.
1: I wouldn't <laughs> want you to lie to us. I prefer the truth, even though it hurts. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. What's what's the saying? Like, don't lie to me to make me feel better. I'd rather you hurt me with the truth.
1: Yeah, just slap me across. I just get it over with. Right?
0: Sometimes you're just like, get over with. To be honest, the things that we can do are, and this is going to depend. I'm going to go through a bunch of different things because everybody I know is in different financial situations and different levels or stages in their creator career path. My number one tip is to delegate, hire people to help. Now, I know, again, like I said, financial situations, so there'll be more options, but hiring help is so important. I cannot tell you, even like my manager, for instance, she doesn't get paid unless a deal goes through and something happens and then she gets paid. So there are a lot of people that don't get paid until you get paid. And those, you know, that's good help, mm-hmm. you know, and having a, an assistant or someone to help with editing. Uh, again, considering your pain points, what's the thing that maxes you out the most? A lot of times it's the little things. One of my uh, friends, Patrick Starr, told me his best move was hiring an assistant. Yeah. That was like, it stopped him from burnout. So consider for yourself what those pain points are. That's my number one tip. Number two is finding ways to take little bits of time off where you're really unplugged. Casey Neistat said this to me years ago, and I've never forgot it. And not the, uh, and there's no judgment on him. He talks about this, but he's not the best like, work-life balance representation, but no, <laughs> he really has a tough time. But he said something to me. We were supposed to film a collab. This is years ago. It never ended up happening. I was in New York for another reason. And he said to me, I can't do that time because that's when I go running and i said oh okay and i was like but i can't do he had another time I'm like i can't do that you know it was just this conversation of like i can't do that and i can't and it wasn't working out and i said maybe could you do your running like later or early you know cuz it's running i'm like right you know and he said but
1: it's more than running
0: <laughs> he said that's the one thing i do for myself every day and it's a non-negotiable and since then i have not i'm not fully where he is but the guilt that i will feel For taking time during my day to, it could be exercise, but it could be, you know, calling my mom. It could be making a nice meal for myself or planning my night away from the house or a weekend out or something. Right. It's lessened. My guilt for doing those things has lessened because it should be a non negotiable. Why are the things that we do to take care of ourselves so easy to dismiss or mark off of our to do list? Those are the first things to go. Hmm. Oh, I was supposed to go do the, I'll, I'll do it later. I got to finish this, you know? And so I encourage everybody to prioritize that. And if I didn't have any guilt about it, I'd probably feel good saying, don't feel guilty about it. It's okay to feel guilty and do it anyway. Yeah. Put it in your calendar. It's not movable. It's non-negotiable. We have to do things for ourselves first because I know even as a therapist, like you can't pour from an empty pitcher. I have to fill myself first. So if I'm not taking care of myself, then the stuff I'm going to dish out is going to be complete garbage because I don't have anything to give. Ugh. those are my main tips. I know it's hard for people. There's going to be guilt. You're going to be like, well, I don't have any time for this. Y- you know, nobody's got time, but we have to make the time. Yeah. Cause we're all feeling it. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm oh sorry. Oh my god. No. Katie, this, a, it gets better though.
1: No, no, no. Again. <laughs> hurt me with the truth. No, I mean this 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 has been so enlightening, Katie. Thank you so much. And honestly, I've been like frantically taking notes as you talking because <laughs> as I mentioned, I mean this this podcast is all about the creator economy, but I include myself in that. I'm not a, I'm not a YouTuber, but I create on a daily basis and it is incredibly taxing. And I feel like this, like I said, this was for selfish reasons. And I hope that other people got something out of this, (laughs) but I know I did. So thank you so much for your time and your insight on this because yeah, it's words to live by and truths to cry about.
0: (laughs) I know, right? It's so depressing, but we're all in it, you know, Yeah, and it does get better again, we can heal from it. That's the great news. It's not like you're doing irreparable damage to your brain and you're like, well, shit, close it up, shut it down. We're good. We'll get better.
1: Thank you so much for your time, Katie. I really appreciate it.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me.
1: That's gonna do it for this episode of Creative Control. As always, make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and make sure you rate and comment as well, because we'd love to hear from you. Fast Company podcasts are produced by Franz Bowen, Avery Miles, and Blake Odom. Editing and sound design is by Nicholas Torres. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen. Deputy Editor David Litsky provided editorial oversight for this episode, as well as Senior VP of Entertainment, Scott Meebus.